When I was a kid, we had this funny little tradition with our family car. We made sure that at all times, there was a piece of wood inside the vehicle. Like an actual stick that we just picked up off the ground and kept in the cup holder. That stick was for luck. We're running late, but traffic looks good. Knock on wood. Looks like we might get there right on time. Knock on wood. We were running late a lot. And we would actually pick up the stick from the cup holder and give it a little knock. I have always wondered where this phrase came from, but never bothered to figure it out. Until we got a note from a listener asking us about it. So today, the origin of knock on wood and some of the psychology behind superstitious behaviors, like keeping a stick in your car. Plus, the answer to another listener question. Where did the word tsunami come from? I'm Johanna Mayer, and this is Diction Dash, where I try and usually fail to guess the true meaning or origin of a word. Kevin McLean is a freelance producer based in Davis, California. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? I can hardly wait to hear where this phrase that I've used three million times comes from. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is a very common superstition. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, knock on wood means to knock on something made of wood, as you said, as a superstitious act to ward off misfortune or bad luck. And actually, in the UK, they say touch wood. Have you heard that before? I have heard that, yeah. And I think yeah. in Spanish, they say toco madera, like, which means touch wood. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a super common superstition spanning many cultures and languages. And actually, while I was looking it up, I kind of dove into some of the psychology literature behind superstitious behavior. Ooh, I will definitely ask you more about that in a second. But first, I have to know, do you have any superstitions, Kevin? Um, I don't think think I have anything that is particularly superstitious, though I am sort of a creature of habit. So it's like mm. I, it, when I do things that are different, I notice. I always knock on airplane doors before boarding. I like oh, can't I can't stop myself from doing it on the like the actual door or the door frame when you're walking in uh, the door frame like as I'm walking into the airplane, just give it a little good luck knock. That's my oh, superstition. Wow, I did not find that in the knock-on-wood literature. <laughs> There's no knock-on-airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I derailed us. Um, no, no worries. You can go on. Yeah, so it turns out there are a lot of different theories dating to a lot of different eras and not a ton of consensus on what is the earliest verifiable origin. Hmm. So I'm actually going to present some of these theories to you, and we're going to do this uh, two truths and a lie style. So oh. you'll have to guess the one that's made up. I can't wait. <laughs> okay, so option number one. A British folklorist named Steve Roud traces the origins back to a 19th century children's game called Tiggy Tiggy Touchwood. Okay. It is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like tag where you're safe when you touch anything wood. So it's possible the reference could have been there before the game, but Roud sort of thinks that the game was the start. And for some reason, the switch to knocking happened somewhere in North America, but there isn't really any clear information about the timing or reason for that. Okay, if that's not the real answer, then that's an incredibly clever <laughs> lie. 
that you devised. <laughs> oh, just you wait. Let's hear the other options. All right. So option number two traces back to ancient paganism in Europe. Trees like oak, ash, hazel, and hawthorn were all of particular value and were believed to have protective or medicinal properties. So knocking on wood was a way to call on the protection of spirits that lived in the trees. Hmm. And actually, the, the practice was eventually adopted into Christian tradition. So the wood alluded to Christ on a wooden cross, and it was also symbolized by touching a crucifix or wooden rosary beads. Whoa. Also okay. complex. I, I, yes, yes, also incredibly detailed. Okay, what's what's the last choice? Yeah, option three is it's referenced in a 17th century description of sap harvest. A small mallet was used to knock on a tree trunk to listen for signs of beetle infestations. The Society of American Foresters says that the phrase is often attributed to sap harvest from sugar maple trees but it actually originates from harvest from birch trees. They also noted that it's not a very effective way of determining sap flow, so that might be where the association with just pure luck came into play. I'm just like sitting here in my closet with my mouth gaping open, like marveling <laughs> at the detail of these lies. Um, okay, so a quick recap. So option A is Tiki Tiki Touchwood, the... Mm -hmm children's game where you're safe when you touch the wood mm -hmm. option b is the idea that certain woods were infused with like special powers that you could call upon yep right okay and option c is the beetles in trees all right so i'm just trying to identify the lie mm -hmm. um okay i think the lie is the beetles in the trees c you are correct that is oh, thank the false God. <laughs> I never get these right. <laughs> yeah, just to sort of recap. So Tiggy Tiggy Touchwood is probably the most likely origin. That folklorist, Steve Roud, definitely feels like that is the most likely origin of it. And he feels like the tracing back to paganism is absolute nonsense, to quote him exactly. And yeah, the sap harvest was just a very tasty, tasty lie. <laughs> Um, can you tell me a little bit about the psychology behind superstition and things like this? Yeah. So I guess the short version is regardless of whether our behavior actually gives us good luck or keeps our mother's backs from breaking, we do these things because of how they make us feel. So there's one possible and I think pretty intuitive explanation that it basically gives us a sense of control in situations where we don't have a lot of control. My favorite study that I found was um, basically it was people that scored high on a desire for control scale were more likely to knock on a wooden table when asked questions about horrible things that might happen, like getting into a deadly car crash, particularly when they were under stress. So there was a group that was asked all these horrible questions right before they were about to take an exam. And then a group that was taken like when there was no exam on the horizon. So the stressed people that were thinking about horrible situations were much more likely to be knocking on wood when they gave answers. Yeah. I guess every time I'm getting on a plane and knocking on the plane door, I'm <laughs> thinking about a plane crash, <laughs> potential horrible situation. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much you can control, but definitely if you don't know, knock on the uh, door of that plane, it is going to go down. <laughs> 
Kevin McLean, thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. And now we have Shalina Chatlani, a healthcare reporter for the Gulf States Newsroom. Hey, Shalina. Hey, Johanna. Really glad to be here. All right. So what listener suggested word are you going to be quizzing me about? Okay. I chose the word tsunami because I think they're super fascinating. And I started to think about that really beautiful and famous piece of artwork. I don't know if you know it. It looks like a Japanese woodblock print of a big blue wave with frosty white curls. I had a uh, I had a poster of that in my college yes. dorm room. I was going to say <laughs> yeah. it's like in every college kid's dorm room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this piece is called The Great Wave Off Kanagawa by Katsushika Hokusai. And this artwork, Mount Fuji, the tallest mountain in Japan, is dwarfed by a gigantic wave just waiting to be crashed down on. So tsunami is a Japanese word, but what do you think it means? Here are your choices. A, tidal wave. B, harbor wave. C, the dragon's wave. D, seismic sea waves. Or E, wave of doom. Man, I should... So I actually lived in Japan for a couple of years and used to speak a little bit of Japanese, but I have no clue, as usual. <laughs> I'm going to go with wave of doom. <laughs> I'm glad you chose that, but you're wrong. Um... <laughs> I'm usually wrong. Okay, wait, can I get a second guess? Yeah, go for it. Okay, then I'm going to try, I'm going to try dragon wave. No, I'm sorry. Ah! <laughs> those were I, those were my fun ones to trip you up. <laughs> uh, let's just keep going down the list. Um, I'm gonna say harbor wave. Okay, you got it this time. Okay, third time's the charm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it stands for harbor wave because su means harbor and nami means wave. So that makes sense, right? Tsunamis are a series of long waves that are caused by a sudden displacement of the ocean. And these waves rush to the shore and can be hundreds of feet tall and travel very fast. But of course, water moves around for a lot of reasons. So what do you think causes tsunamis? Here are your choices. A. Asteroids. B. Earthquakes. C volcanoes, or D, all of the above? Uh, I was very certain that it was earthquakes, but then you threw in that all of the above, and I'm, you know what? I'm still, I'm not falling for your bait. I'm going to say earthquakes. I'm sorry to say, but you fell right into my trap. <laughs> no. <laughs> so since 1900, around 80% of recorded tsunamis have been caused by earthquakes, typically below or near the ocean floor. So that's when the Earth's tectonic plates move around and crash into each other, causing those big movements of water. But underwater volcanic eruptions, landslides, possibly asteroids, and even some types of weather events, though rare, can cause them. Landslides can cause tsunamis? Yeah. And asteroids? Mm-hmm. Has that, so that's happened in the past? Like an asteroid has just slammed down into the ocean and caused a tsunami? Well, there is at least one very famous event, the asteroid that is thought to have killed all of the dinosaurs. Oh. When it crashed into the Earth, it's thought to have created a tsunami so massive it would have made waves around the globe. That is a big wave. 
Okay, so to recap, tsunamis can be caused by many different things, though usually earthquakes, and the word tsunami means harbor wave. Yes, that's exactly right. And it might have been something Japanese fisher people came up with. We first see it in print in 1611, so it's at least several centuries old. So the word makes it into English by the 19th century. In 1896, the northeast coast of Hondo in Japan, that's the historic name for the main island that today we call Honshu, it was struck with a huge tsunami, the biggest of that century, and it killed nearly 27,000 people. An American journalist reported on it for the National Geographic. So that's when it's believed to have shown up for the first time in the English language, about three centuries after it was used in Japanese writing. And the Japanese word just stayed intact, I guess. Yeah, it sort of makes sense that we're ending up using the Japanese word because a a lot of the largest tsunamis in history have happened in Japan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's likely because Japan is located along what's known as the Ring of Fire. It's the most active earthquake belt in the world. It's also home to much of the world's volcanoes. So this is where several of the Earth's tectonic plates meet and often crash into each other. But today, of course, volcano and earthquakes aside, we use the word tsunami in a variety of ways and pretty regularly. Shalina Chatlani, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's it for this round of Diction Dash. If you have a word you've always wondered about, send us an email at podcasts at sciencefriday.com or call us up and leave a voicemail. We might play your question on the show. The number is 929-499-WORD. That's 929-499-9673. Please keep sending us your suggestions, and we'll keep making these episodes. This episode of Science Diction was produced by me, Johanna Mayer. And me, Ella Fetter. And me, Daniel Peterschmidt. Daniel's also our composer, and they mastered this episode. We had fact-checking help from Robin Palmer. Nadia Ortelt is our chief content officer, and she's a great boss. Totally supportive, takes care of business. The one thing is, our communication styles are a little different. Something's off. Sometimes it just feels like we're not even speaking the same language. Tiggy, tiggy, touchwood. Piggy, piggy, touchwood? Mm-hmm. Tiggy, tiggy, touchwood. Kitty, kitty, touchwood? Uh, tiggy. See you soon.